Welcome to Kingdom.Think, where we read the Bible in one year, a little bit at a time, to fill your soul and your spirit. So today, we're covering Joshua 23, 24, Psalms 108, and Acts 19. Where should I begin? So many things are happening. Let's start with the Old Testament, because I didn't realize this is the last chapter of, uh, chapter 24 is the last chapter of Joshua. Remember when we were reading Deuteronomy and we had developed a relationship with Moses and when we got to the end, it was actually kind of emotional to let him go. Um, he played such a big part in, in, in just understanding the story or I don't know, it was just, it was kind of emotional. Well, guess what? We're there again. Basically, Joshua is going to die in chapter 24. But before we get there, let's just talk about 23. So 23 is where Joshua gathers the leaders of Israel and he begins to tell them that he's old. He's like preparing them. It's like his last speech. He's like, okay, I'm old. It's time for me to go. But I want you to know that we've conquered so much land, but there are still pockets of enemy and remember, there was another tribe who didn't want to take the hill country because they were afraid of the Canaanites. I believe it was the Canaanites. I don't remember. But they were afraid of them. So they said, no, 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 never mind. Well, there were little pockets of those kind of people in various areas. So Joshua was saying, hey, they're there. And he said to them, be very strong, be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them, but you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. This is important because when we go into the New Testament and we're understanding the ministry of Paul and and we're reading um, just what they're going through, or like, why are all these people worshiping idols or why are they so committed to their idols? You have to to understand that. You have to understand where they came from. So, so then he proceeded to tell them, um, um, the Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one was has been able to withstand you. One of your routes of a, th one of you routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you just as He promised. So be very careful to love, love the Lord, love, 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 love. Love the Lord your God. Now we think of love as an action, as we're supposed to like constantly be, you know, praying, constantly listen to worship music. Oh my gosh, I'm listening to secular music. Oh, I must not love God. Or, oh, I said a bad word. I must not love God. I did something wrong. Oh, no, it's not. It's not that kind of thing. It's not an either or. Um, what I kind of, it's like, it's, it's like if you're a brunette, you don't say, gosh, I don't remember. Am I a brunette, brunette today, or am I a blonde? Ah, okay. Let me let me remind myself. You don't have to remind yourself. What he's saying is, and when he's talking about love, it's like being in this presence. Meaning, um, and the reason that God is saying, obey the commandments, obey these things, is so that you can stay in His presence. Because when you don't obey these certain things then you start feeling guilt and shame and fear and jealousy and all these emotions that are just contracting and they just keep you small. I mean, it's just like when Adam and Eve sinned and 
it, they realized they were naked and they, can you imagine when you realize you're naked, what do you do? You don't just keep your arms up and flailing. No, you shrink down. So sin makes people shrink down. And so the reason I'm explaining this is because as he's talking about these, um, okay, let me read verse 12. But if you turn away and ally yourselves with the survivors of these nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you, whips on your backs and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. So in other words, love the Lord your God, stay in that high emotion, and then you'll get the fruits of the Spirit, right? But if you associate with the now he is referring to actual pockets of the enemy in different areas but let's just imagine for a second at the possibility that he's also referring to spirits so what he's saying is the spirits still lurk around do not attach yourself to the spirits of what the spirits of lust the spirit of fear the spirit of jealousy the spirit of anger do not attach yourself to that So we think, oh, well, you know, if we just stay in our little homes, stay in our little towns, we're fine. But he's saying the spirits, possibly, just imagine for a second of the possibility that he's referring to, the spirits still lurk around. Do not attach yourself to them. Instead, keep your eye focused on God. Love, 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 love God. Every day, all day, be it. Know, know what it means. So you might wonder, why do the Israelites, why are they so tempted to worship idols? A few reasons, because, you know, it's kind of like, what is their problem? Well, imagine this. They grew up in Egypt, so they had those cultural norms. They also, you could hold an idol, a statue, right? This is important to remember because there's going to be a story in the New Testament that's going to talk about, kind of, is going to reference this. So idols back in the old days were made out of some sort of material, wood or metal, um, right? So they had to be made and something you can hold, something you could see. It was tangible. And then there were mythological stories that, that these gods had power over their crops or fertility. So they wanted those things. They wanted fertility and they wanted crops. And that's why they were tempted to follow these false gods. So then moving on to chapter 24, this is when he says his final farewell farewell, and he explains and he reminds the people again what God did. And he gives them a summary again. Remember I talked about repetition? Here we are repeating again all that God had done. And then, um, and they were very hasty to say, and he's warning them again, don't, don't serve all these idols. And they, they were very like, no, we would never do that. We, no, 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 we're going to follow God. But they were so hasty that they weren't really searching their heart. And Joshua knew, so he kind of got irritated with them. And he said, you're not able to serve the Lord. He is, whole, he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sin. If you forsake the Lord and serve the foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end to you after he has been good to you. So he's basically just getting frustrated because they're being hasty. They're not really, he wants it to set deep into their heart. You can only do so much, right? That's even now when um, some people, their faith is shallow. Some people, it's very surface. Some people, it's very showy. Some people, 
you know? So he's like, search your heart, search your heart. It's always about your heart. Oh my goodness. Okay. So let's move on. Oh, by the way, that's the end. Yes. So at the end, verse 29, Joshua dies at the age of 110. Oh my goodness. I don't have quite the emotional attachment because Joshua was so powerful, you know? He was so mighty. Um, He wasn't as sensitive as Moses. So that's probably why I didn't feel quite the emotion. But still, like an era has ended. Just like in Deuteronomy, the era of Moses had ended. And now in Joshua, the era of of taking over, the entering the promised land has come to a rest. So I'm actually going to jump to Psalms 109. No, 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 no. I want to jump to um, Acts 19. And here's why. This is kind of funny. <clears throat> okay, a few things. <clears throat> okay, so I'm going to kind of jump real quick to verse 23 because I thought this was funny. Where it says, about that time there aroused a great disturbance among about the way. Now remember we said earlier when the Bible references the way, that's they weren't called Christians. They didn't know what to call them. They were called the way because Jesus was the way. So that's interesting. A silver myth named a silver smith named Demetrius who made silver shrines of Artemis. He brought a lot of business in the um for the craftsmen there. Okay, so this guy his business is making the idols, the statues. So he didn't like the fact that Paul and his disciples are preaching, or Paul and the disciples, not his disciples, the disciples, were preaching that they shouldn't worship these false gods. What's that going to do to business? Not so good. So he started a ruckus, and he caused a little chaos, started a little riot, um, and from it just goes on for, let's see, verse 32, all the way down, all of 35, talking about the riots that were started. It's very cool. And um, just how they came in. And I don't know, you just got to read it. It's, it's kind of funny. Okay, so that's that about the statues. Isn't that interesting? There's actually business behind it. So sometimes people who believe in certain cultural norms, it's not that they believe it, it's that it's profitable. And that, my friends, is definitely going on today. Yep, I have a few opinions of some things that have gone on in the last few years that they weren't beneficial to anyone. It was profitable. Just like a lot of food production, certain ways that they're producing food, it's profitable. And it was going back at the beginning of time. Okay, so Paul, he was at Corinth, um, but then he left and he went to Ephesus, and there he bumped into some, he found some disciples, um, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? They said, no, we have not heard of the Holy Spirit. So Paul said, really? Did you get baptized? Yeah. Well, who'd you get baptized by? John the Baptist? Oh, no, 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 no. John the Baptist was about repentance. That was before Jesus arrived. Once Jesus arrived, Jesus was the one that Paul, uh, John the Baptist was talking about. So you need to be anointed with the Holy Spirit. So he placed his hand, prayed over him. Boom, they got anointed with the Holy Spirit and started speaking in tongues and prophesying. So it's funny because some denominations like don't believe in speaking in tongues. I'm not going to get into that debate. It doesn't really matter to me. But it says right here. Now, I think it's because they believe, I don't know. 
you can talk to someone who doesn't believe in speaking in tongues. However, it says right here, they were speaking in tongues and prophesying. There you have it. Okay, so Paul kept preaching in the synagogue. This is so important because the church was the people, right? But he was still trying to preach in the synagogue. They weren't separate from the synagogue. And he was preaching consistently and boldly and persuasively about the kingdom of God. But they're starting to get irritated with Paul and publicly just shaming him and getting in arguments. So finally, he Paul left. He had it with him. And he started having his discussions in a lecture hall. And, peop- and he did this for two years. And people started gathering on a daily basis to listen to this, to the message of Paul. There you go. That is how the church started to happen, even though he was very content with preaching in the synagogue until it just wasn't working anymore. Uh, let's see. And then, you know, verse 11 down to 21 is still talking about Paul's journey. So you can read that. He does talk about the fact that he's going to go into Rome and he's so anointed that some of the handkerchiefs that he touches, they say that they would take the handkerchief and place like touch a sick person with it and they'd get healed. But later on, I think it was Luke who made reference to the fact that, was it Luke? Um, someone made Oh, Luke makes it clear that God did the healing, not Paul or his clothing. So we need to make clear that. And I'm sure Paul cleared it up when it happened. So Psalms 108, what happens? Let's read a little bit about that. My heart, O God, is steadfast. I will sing and make music with all on my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love, higher than the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all of the earth. Save us and help us with your right hand. And right hand, remember, it represents strength, authority, honor. So save us with your right and help us with your right hand that those you love may be delivered. God has spoken from a sanctuary. In triumph, I have, I will parcel out Sheshem. And he just goes on and on. But there is a point in this Psalms where he gets a little, I think, well, you remember David's emotional and he's truthful and he's heartfelt. I think that's why God loves him so much because David just pours out his heart to God. He's, he doesn't hide. He doesn't try to be something he's not. He doesn't worship idols but he's not perfect and he does get frustrated. And so sometimes he gets disappointed and he does have a, a verse in here. He says, I don't know. It's not going to happen. I don't think God's going to do it. But then at the end he says, but without God, we're not going to have victory. So we have to have God with us. So you'll enjoy that Psalms. It's a good one. Not too long either. So definitely go back and read it. So my friends, that was Joshua 23, 24, Psalms 108, Acts 19. And tomorrow we start a whole new era with judges. I hope you enjoyed that. Make it a great day. Talk to you soon.